Last week we talked about hope as our waiting on the promises of God to fulfill that which he has said. Um, for many years, God's people waited for the arrival of the coming of the Lord himself. That's what Advent means, the arrival or the coming. And they're waiting for the arrival of the Lord himself as a baby to be born in a manger. As the Old Testament prophets are telling us about this hope and they're waiting in expectation. And now we, as the people of God, wait in expectation for Christ to return to us. Amen. So Emmanuel, God with us, the fulfillment of God's promise to his people. And now we wait for his coming again. It is the gospel, the good news that now brings us the hope of eternal life as we wait in expectation for the fullness of God's work as he has done in the past and he's answered the call that he has said he would do in the past he will answer it again in the future and now we talk about hope I'm sorry we don't talk about hope that was last week we talk about peace thank you when you think about peace, what do you think about? A lot of us think about, as, as that video proclaimed, the absence of war. But the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. Shalom. You may have heard that word before. Shalom. It connotates the absence of conflict, yes. But also, the biblical peace is this wholeness. Or completeness. It's more than just the absence of conflict. Think of a, a leak in your pipes, right? You have, you have a leak and there's a problem. And you, you replace the pipe and make your pipes whole or complete. Think of the restoration of something that is broken. The healing that comes through a broken relationship being restored or made at peace, completely reconciled, a complete reconciliation, full payment being paid. I'm just going to be honest with you. When we look at the world that we live in, we don't see a lot of peace. The larger wars being fought, right, in Ukraine and Obviously, Gaza, the war on terrorism. Even in the 21st century, even our children have grown up at, with our country being at war, wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. But you look deeper and you see even more than just war. You see the conflict and the uprising in all aspects of life. From conflicts in nature, such as hurricanes or tornadoes or tsunamis, to the conflicts with the inner self, the interpersonal self, and, and relationships with others, right? Divorce, murder, racism, conflicts within people. And then there's that inner peace that's missing with individuals bringing about anxiety or depression, often feelings of lack of self-esteem or feelings of inadequacy. These are all against what God would call peace. 
Did I, did I say the Advent, we were waiting for the arrival, right? <laughs> Certainly, we, we, we wait with hopeful expectation for the God of peace to bring about complete peace. And who are we waiting for? It's what we're going to see in this text this morning, the Prince of Peace. In Hebrew, Sar Shalom. The ruler whose kingdom will have no end and the increase of his government and the peace will be no end. It means he'll be eternal peace. So as we read this text this morning, my prayer is is that you see the will of God and his eternal purposes that will be completed and you find peace. That peace would swell up in your heart as God will accomplish that which he said he would according to his word. And my prayer for you is that the God of peace will give you peace in whatever circumstance you find yourself in today. So let's, let's look at the text that brings about this incredible peace, both that God has brought about Christ and that Christ will come again in, in Isaiah chapter 9. So if you'll stand with me, we're going to read that text. It's just two verses this morning, but it's jam-packed with a ton of truths in it. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 is where we'll read this morning as we stand in honor of God's word and the reading of his unfallible truth that he gives to us. Isaiah chapter 6, for to us a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Amen. You can be seated. I love that part. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. God himself will accomplish that which his purposes and that which he wants to set forth. So in 2004, I became a counselor at Kids Across America. Uh, Kids Across America is an inner city camp. It's a Christian sports camp for inner city kids. So working with kids from all over the U.S., Chicago, New Orleans, New York, some of the pla- toughest places to live for children um, growing up. And they put them all from all these places in the world, and they put them in the cabin, and they ask two uh, college students to watch over them and protect them and, and, and guide them and try to instill in them the gospel. And not always easy, if you can imagine that, right? <clears throat> And um, so, you know, we had to try and keep the peace somehow in the cabin. 
And one of the ways that uh, we, we as our counseling team chose to keep the peace was to discipline the kids when they were acting a fool, okay? Uh, that, that's, that's what we were trying to do. And so how would we discipline them? We would run them. Right, And so when they were acting up, we would run them. And there was this steep hill in the middle of the camp. It was super long, and it was super steep. And you had to run, and almost you're just running like straight uphill. And it, I don't know if you've ever run uphill, but it's exhausting. You take about 10 steps, and you're like, man, this is a lot harder than running just 10 steps normally. And so it was almost impossible for these young kids, like 4th through 6th grade, to run up this hill. But I love to use the time of discipline to share the gospel. So I would have the kids go, all right. You're going to start here, and you're going to run all the way up the hill. They knew how long of a run that it was to go up this hill, and knowing that it would be almost near impossible for them. And we'd get a few, a few hundred yards, or maybe just a hundred yards, or maybe just a little bit up the hill, maybe less than that. That's a football field. That's a long ways, but just way less than that, probably 30, 40 yards up the hill, and... Um, I would, I would tell them to stop, and and I would tell them, hey, you know what, you guys are supposed to run all the way to the top of this hill, but let me tell you something, I'm going to run first. And so I was trying to teach these kids what Jesus did for them in the gospel, and so they would stand there. And they would watch me run up the hill and run back. And I'd be exhausted. And then I'd share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ, how he paid for their sins on the cross for them. Even though they were deserving of the death, Christ took the death on himself. So, but this one time, this backfired on me big time. Okay, so I'm starting our descent up the hill. I'm, I'm trying to run these kids up the hill, and we're not very far as one kid slumps over, and he begins breathing hard. And it's not like, hey, I'm tired breathing. It's like I can't breathe breathing. And I'm looking at him going, okay, this is not good. And we stop, and I'm looking at him. And, and it's not getting better, and he's actually getting worse, and he's, he's starting to not be able to breathe at all. So I do what I best I can. I swoop him up in my arms, and I begin carrying him down the hill to the nurse's station. And I'm thinking to myself, all while running downhill, what if I fall <laughs> on my face, and this kid is really hurt, or what if the kid stops breathing, or what if I just made this kid die, right? I'm thinking all of these things in this in my head as I'm getting to the nurse's thing th- station. And the nurse is there, and she's like, no, I, I've got this inhaler. And they, they, they get the inhaler into him, and he begins breathing, and I'm like, oh man, great, right? Crisis averted. But the idea from this story is that truly... No matter how we try to find peace ourselves, we, we really won't be able to find peace. We, 
we, we, this, this boy wasn't able to get to the nurse's station himself. That we, we ourselves cannot find peace. We need someone to do something that we could not do ourselves. And this is where the Prince of Peace comes in. For unto us a child is born, and the government will rest upon your shoulders? No, it's, it's his shoulders. Praise God that we have a king who has come to do what we could not do, which is bring peace between God and man. I don't know about you, but sometimes instead of feeling like the Prince of Peace myself, I feel like the Prince of Pandemonium, right? Interesting enough, back in the Garden of Eden, this is who mankind is, the Prince and Princess of Pandemonium, okay? We, we are mankind, and just like Adam and Eve, we have all sinned and fall short, Mankind had one job. You, you love that Monday night football. You had one job, right? That's what mankind had. One job, to reflect the glory of God by ruling over his creation. That was his job. How God is, you are to reflect that. To rule over his creation the way that God himself would rule over his creation. That is your job. Genesis 1, 27 and 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And what does God do? He blesses them because they're created in his image, 28. And God said to them, here's your job. Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So because you are created in the image of God, because you are reflected, you are created to reflect his glory, now you're to fill the earth with the glory of God in, because you were created in his image. And you're to rule over the creation as God would rule. Yet instead of being prince and princesses of peace, mankind became prince and princesses of pandemonium. A state of noisy or confused activity. That's what pandemonium means. So after rejecting God's plan, and a result of their sin in the garden, they became conflicted. And, and, this, and this plays out right here in the garden. What happens? They try to cover their own shame. They're conflicted within themselves. They're trying to hide from God. They're trying to cover their nakedness. Whereas before they were free from self-conscious conflict. They had inner peace. And now they're hiding. It's shameful because of their sin. They're, they weren't naked and unashamed. Now they're ashamed. Hiding from the Lord. Not only are they broken within... But their relationship with one another is also broken. The woman you gave me, well, she is the one that caused all this. How does that go in your home, right? 
I have a, I have a gif for that. I'm, I'm, I'm cool, right? I have a gif for that. But let's, let's see that gif. You guys got that up there? No, they don't? Maybe. Here we go. Oh, oh, turn it up a little bit. We gotta have the, we gotta have the volume on that. Do it again. There you go. So what were we talking about again? We were talking about relationships. Game over. This is not good, right? The woman you gave me, she made me do this. That's not good. Relationships now in marriage, the workplace, you name it. Let's just say they're not without conflict, right? Adam and Eve, we see that conflict taking place. So not only do we have turmoil within because of sin, we have this relationship turbulence because of sin. And now what else? Oh, wait. Genesis 3 tells us nature itself is in mayhem. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. To the man, he said, cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Pain in childbearing, the earth is cursed. Nature itself is broken. The ground has thorns, all sorts of issues, tsunamis, all sorts of issues, right? Nature doesn't work as it God intended it to work. Wind, rain, the tornadoes, the hurricanes, the flood cave, the, the flooding. Oh my. And all of this has to do with what? Conflict with God. A lack of peace with God Himself. It's all broken. Broken people who hurt broken people living in a broken world. So where is their peace? Well, a good thing you ask. God himself will bring the peace. And the prophet Isaiah tells us how he will do it. Verse 6. For to us the child is born... To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is point number one this morning. God brought peace through a baby born to be king. God brought peace through a baby born to be king. I love how this verse in Isaiah, written 700 years before Jesus would come to the earth, says, to us, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given. Why was the baby born to us? Why? Because we need it. Because we live in a broken world and are broken people. Because we're prince and princesses of pandemonium. We need Jesus. Amen. And God said, I am going to send to you the king who will restore order. I will send to you someone who is going to bring about complete and utter peace. 
Isaiah 7, 14, earlier Isaiah talks about this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. There's a lot of turmoil going on in Isaiah's day, let me tell you. There's a lot of turmoil going on in our day, let me tell you. Wars and rumors of wars, brokenness. Yet God gives hope to Isaiah and to the people of God, and he gives hope to us in the same way. A child who is to be born. The government shall rest upon his shoulders, meaning he will be the king. The ruler that we talked about in in Genesis chapter 1 in which God has said that Adam and Eve shall rule and have authority over the earth, that we messed up, God himself will bring about the perfect king who will be King Jesus, who will make all things new. So look at the preceding verses. It kind of tells you what God's going to do in the the, the pandemonium world and now to the to world of peace. He says here in verse 1 of chapter 9, but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, but in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nations. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. What does all this mean? It means God's going to turn gloom to glory, darkness to light, sorrow into joy, oppression from the yoke, staff, and the rod, those will be broken. Garments and boots from the oppressor, those will be burned in the fire. You see, the king is going to do this. God himself will do this. The government is not going to fall upon us. It's interesting. The ruler or the governor will fulfill God's plan of ruling rightly and justly. You see, the King Jesus, he's not an ordinary baby, is he? He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He will take upon his shoulders the weight and the burden of his kingdom. Now you begin to see this, don't you? The complete restoration, the healing, the the shalom that comes through the Messiah, King Jesus. But ultimately, complete restoration and healing comes through a right relationship with God. Remember, back in Genesis, the relationship with God was broken. As a result, all of the other things were broken. 
So we must have a right relationship with God to bring about complete and, and utter healing or complete restoration or shalom. You see, the king, he bears the weight of your sins so that you can have peace with God. Isaiah 53, 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. You see, the healing of the right relationship with God comes about through the one who will be born as a child who will be the king. Mm. That child king will have to go to the cross to bring about complete peace with God and man. So that's where we are verse 6 for unto us a child is born to us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace now these names of god show us who this person is it is god himself so point number 2 is thus god himself will bring about this peace God himself will bring about this peace. As the names of this king are called, it is the names of God himself, as he will have the attributes of God because he is God. Colossians 1.15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Interesting. God himself made peace with his creation, mankind, through Jesus Christ. The blood of his cross. So these names describe who God is and who King Jesus is. This wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. The first name, wonderful counselor, it describes the wisdom of God. Isaiah chapter 28, 29. This also comes from the Lord of hosts. He is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. What a beautiful thing 
to have your king be wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. Not only does this describe the nature of God as the wonderful counselor is given to Jesus as this name, as an attribute of God, but also God the Holy Spirit, the third person in the triune God, it kind of describes him as well. Jesus says in John 14, 26, but the helper, that word there in the, in the Greek, it could be, par, it's paraclete, and it could be counselor. It's translated counselor in the RSV version. But the counselor, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all the things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace. That, so he just told us, the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to be your counselor. Peace I leave with you. Then he says this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. The God of peace, the Prince of peace, now the Holy Spirit of peace. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your hearts not be troubled, neither let them be afraid. God himself gives of himself to us to have peace. It's amazing truths right here. So the wonderful counselor, God, is related to Christ, who then is related to the Holy Spirit, the triune God, represented here in the attributes of God himself. Mighty God. Second word. So wonderful counselor, mighty God. The, obviously the incarnation clearly seen here in this title, God with us, Emmanuel. The baby to be born is to be God. The title represents really the warrior king, the attributes of this powerful, strong king who is God himself. Deuteronomy ten seventeen, For the Lord your God is God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. The mighty God. The everlasting father. Interesting too here, right? We usually reserve the name of Father for the first person in the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Spirit. It's usually reserved for that first person of the Trinity. But it is an attribute of God himself in which Jesus also has. The care of a father is represented in a good king, right? So the king not only has wonderful counsel, he is mighty and strong, as mighty God, but now he is the everlasting father. Interesting here as the, the son carries these qualities, Isaiah um, calls these followers of the suffering servant in Isaiah 53, his offspring. In relationship to the fatherhood like the father of Jesus, Isaiah 53, 10. Yet it was the will of God, the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And Jesus talks about his followers 
as his children who are not orphans. John 14, 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while. The world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father and you are in me and I in you. So the relationship of care, like the Father, the first person of the Trinity, is also seen in the King Jesus, the Son. And he is everlasting. He is an eternal king, following the promise of David, of a son who will rule and reign forever. He even says that in verse 7, the throne of David over his kingdom. It is that promise that he is the everlasting father. He has care like the Father. He is God. And the last word is the focus of our day today, the Prince of Peace, right? Not only is he the wonderful counselor, Jesus is the mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. He's also the Prince of Peace. I love that attribute of King Jesus, don't you? He will bring peace at every level. Your internal struggles, your relationship struggles, and nature itself. Let me, let me read for you Isaiah 11. I'm going to kind of break this down for one moment here. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. So the stump of Jesse is a stump that's been cut off. The root Jesse is David's father. So the stump that's been cut off, meaning the the kingdom of David has been cut off. But there will come one from the stump who is Jesus, right? And we see the lineage in in the gospels of the lineage of Christ through David's lineage. And so there comes a one from the stump of Jesse. The branch from its roots shall bear fruit. This is the one who is to come. He's talking about this king, again, from Isaiah chapter 9, from Isaiah chapter 7, all talking about this one who will come. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what he, his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor, decide with equity, for the meek of the earth, and he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, faithfulness the belt of his loins. Now, listen to this. So, what's he doing? He's, he's conquering evil upon the earth. He's judging rightly. He's, he's establishing righteousness and truth and rightness. What, is, what happens in verse 6? When he does all of this, what happens? The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. I don't, I don't know about you, but no wolves are dwelling with lambs, right? Like you put a wolf and a lamb in, in a pen together, that doesn't go well. The leopard shall, shall lay down with the young goat. The calf and the lion and the fatted calf together, and a little child shall lead them. Little child leading a lion, that doesn't really make sense. It didn't even work out well for Barnum and Bailey, right? It just didn't. 
The, the cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, the lion shall eat straw like the ox, the nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child shall put his hand in the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy, destroy in my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples of him, shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. You see, the peace in which God brings is a complete Peace. The king who after he judges with righteousness and truth will bring about complete and utter peace. That's, that's right, that, that's the hope of the Christian. We believe that God himself is coming again to judge the earth and bring about complete and utter peace. Romans 5, 1 so the peace of God now brings about full restoration and healing to all aspects of life. Remember in the Garden of Eden, all the animals ate what? Plants. They didn't eat each other. The, the leopard's not eating the goat in the Garden of Eden. The child is playing with the cobra. Romans chapter 5 verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's God himself that now has made peace between God and man and will again make complete and utter peace with nature itself, with all human relationships. All of these things he will make new. This is the child that we celebrate on Advent. Luke 2, 11. For unto you, again, Luke's giving us this text, for unto you, remember Isaiah says, for unto us, for unto you is born this day in the city of David. This is an angel who says this, a savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. So God himself is bringing about this peace. And it will be complete, even though it is not at this time. So let's finish here, verse 7. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. I, I, I like that. That there will be no end. It's a future tense. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth. And forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish his purpose, that which he set forth. We just read in, in Isaiah chapter 11 that the knowledge of the glory of God will fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. God will accomplish his purpose. That means peace will be throughout the earth. Because, why? 
because the knowledge of the glory of God will fill the earth. Going back to Genesis 1, multiply and fill the earth because you were created into the image of God. But verse 7, I think we get this point. God will establish an eternal kingdom that will have no end. God will establish an eternal kingdom that will have no end. It will happen. But pastor, pastor, what about all the conflict? What about all the brokenness that I've experienced in my life and am experiencing currently that fills the earth at this time? Whether it's the conflict from the waves or the, the wind or the wild beasts or the viruses or the cancer or the heart disease or the relational conflict in my home or my marriage or my children. What about these conflicts? There's no doubt that these conflicts are real. But I think Jesus actually, he, he shows us that he is the king and that his kingdom will not have these conflicts. I think he addresses this question beautifully in the story of the boat with his disciples. His disciples are in a boat with Jesus and they're being crushed by this tumultuous storm. The, the waves are breaking the ship and the, and the disciples are fearing for their lives. The water is filling the boat and, and this is what happens, Mark chapter four, verse 38. But he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. The Prince of Peace is, he's sleeping. And the princes of pandemonium are running around going, what are we doing? We're going to die. And this is what Jesus does. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace. Be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were great, filled with great feel, fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? The prince of peace says peace. And the waters calm. The prince of peace says peace. And the storm stops. You see, the Prince of Peace can stop your storm. The Prince of Peace can say time. But I think what's most important is Jesus' question to his disciples. Why are you still afraid if you know that I am the Prince of Peace? Have you still no faith? 
You see, the Prince of Peace has the power to calm nature itself. The world is full of trouble, yes. Yet Jesus shown us that his kingdom will be a kingdom of peace. Why? Because he has the power to bring about peace. You see, the first time he came, he came to way he came to make a way for sinners to be declared righteous before a holy God and to bring peace between God and man. And the next time he comes, he comes to make all things new. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. He even tells us we will have tribulation in this world. John 16, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So your peace today is, may not calm all your problems. But your peace may come from the one who is the Prince of Peace, knowing that he is with you. And we take heart this morning as we light our Advent candle in the fact that the Priest of Peace has come. And he came the first time to die on a cross for sinners and he will come again. Matthew 24, 6 says this, Jesus says, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation, put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away, betray one another, and hate one another. That doesn't sound like peace. And many false prophets will rise and lead many astray. And because of lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. That doesn't sound like peace. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Amen? And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So our job, prince and princesses of pandemonium, is to declare the prince of peace to the lost and dying world who is broken without hope, because we have hope. We have the hope of King Jesus the Prince of Peace, the one who brings about ultimate peace and complete and utter restoration. Can Jesus bring peace into your life in these areas? Of course he can. He says peace and the waves stop. But it's not about being completely at peace. It's about knowing the King of Peace. 2 Thessalonians 3.16, Now may the Lord of Peace himself Give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. So my prayer for us today is that we would be people of peace, not because of our circumstances, but because we know that the Prince of Peace will accomplish that which he desires. And we pray that the kingdom of God will advance and be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations before he comes again. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Prince of Peace.
we thank you that Jesus has come and is coming again. And we just ask, Lord, that, um, that you would bring about peace in our life right now. We know that there are many hurting in this room, listening to us online. Uh, many people that, uh, Father, you, we need peace today. And, Father, you've shown us your faithfulness, your steadfast love, and that the zeal of the Lord will accomplish his will. And we ask, Father, that you would bring about peace in people's lives today, knowing that there is a God and he has a plan for his creation to restore them back to himself and to bring about peace in their life and joy and fulfillment that's lacking in this world. Father, we know that we will have trouble, but praise the Lord, Christ has overcome the world. Father, we pray right now that we would be people that reflect upon your peace that you give so freely to us. That we would respond today with thanksgiving and gratitude. That we know the Prince of Peace, mighty God, the everlasting Father, the wonderful Counselor, and that we would rest in the peace of God, the child that was born to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to respond to singing by singing to the Lord. If you need prayer this morning, there are counselors that would love to pray with you. If you need guidance on what it looks like to give your life to Jesus, to know that he is the king of your heart and your mind and your soul, we'd love to talk to you about that. David's going to lead us in worship. Would you stand with us and we'll worship the Lord, God Almighty, the King of kings and the Lord of lords.